If you've owned your car for a while, or maybe you got a great deal on a used vehicle that feels new to you, AAA has a vehicle protection plan that fits your needs and your budget. Let's face it, unexpected and expensive repairs can pop up. That's why AAA vehicle protection plans provide comprehensive coverage for maintenance and repair to take some of the risk out of driving a classic. Find out more about our vehicle protection plans at AAA.com slash vehicle plan. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just $5.99 each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Two item minimum pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. going on straight talk faithful your host george mckay back again in the studio with another great interview sit down this is episode 103 and i am so excited talking with this man right now please welcome to straight talk wrestling jimmy corderas how are you sir uh, I'm great, George. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I, I, like we said just before we went on the air there, because uh, uh, we're pre-recorded, but just before I push record, uh, I'd just say it was an honor to sit down and talk with you. I mean, you got a 22-year career in WWE, and that's incredible. You've seen a whole lot of things. You've lived a whole lot of amazing memories, and um, your book, Three Count, is absolutely fantastic. I actually just finished reading it last night in preparation for this. And I got to say, man, it was it was a seamless read. It was like beginning to end. I, you know, you try to pick up a book, you hope you get into something for 10 minutes and you end up reading for like two or three hours. I just I couldn't put it down. It was absolutely fantastic. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm, I, it, you know, some coming from that world, you know, I'm not a writer per se. And, and it's funny you said that because, you know, that was my big concern. I go like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a, <laughs> you know, so uh, will this come off the way? Uh, I guess uh, to be honest, uh, and not to toot my own horn, but, uh, one of the biggest compliments I got was from a friend of mine that I'd worked with for many, many years who read the book. And he just said, uh, while reading it, he could, he could almost hear me re- as he was reading it, you know, basically that that was my words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it felt like to me. It felt like, uh, we were kind of in the same room and you were just sharing all these stories with me. It was, it was incredible. And you touched on a lot of great points. And uh, like I said, kudos to you, man, because it's not it's not easy to write a book and put yourself out there, but you did. And it's fantastic. And it was quite refreshing to read a book from a former employee that doesn't really have an axe to grind, more of just complimenting his 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 time within the organization and his time in the business, which was just it was honestly, man, it was just a fantastic read all around. Well, I, again, I appreciate it. And like I like I tell people, I try to be a glass half full kind of guy and I don't want to paint a picture like. The entire 22, 23 years, whatever it was, was uh, biscuits and gravy. Uh, there's an old Festus reference. But, <laughs> but 
but you know what I mean? I, I, man, I, how how lucky was I? I? I mean, like, sure, there were times where you were going like, oh, man, I wish I could just go home and cr-, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's everywhere. So um, getting to do something you love, it, how lucky is that? It's pretty lucky. It's more so much like me with this podcast. It started two years ago, and I've been absolutely blessed to uh, have talked to the people I've spoken to. And now I can add you to that list. Oh, well, I'm honored. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, I always start with one standard question. All my listeners know the question I'm going to ask is I'm a big fan of defining moments. Everybody has that moment where they kind of fell in love with the wrestling business, whether it be a match or they ran into a, one of their favorite wrestlers at a convention or they saw him or her walking down the street. Do you have your defining moment when you fell in love with this business? Um, uh, I think if I had to pick one, uh, I, I want to say uh, very young. I, I want to say like nine or 10 years old. I don't remember how old I was, but there was uh, always like as a kid watching and stuff like that. And I know there were, there were times as a teen that I was watching where I said, yeah, this is it. But when I was like nine or 10 years old, they had a card way back when at Varsity Stadium, which is no longer existent. I don't, I don't think it's still there. Anyways, here in Toronto, it was an outdoor show. And the headlined match was for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. It was uh, Dory Funk Jr. defending the title against the original Sheik. Uh, and, um, you know, my, my neighbor uh, and his dad took us, to, uh, took us to the event. And we were up in, the, in the, the cheap seats, of course, way back where. But, you know, my friend Billy and I, we snuck onto the field and we were like right up there, right on the grass, like as close as you can get watching from there, watching from that angle. And although it was a little bloody because it was the Sheik, <laughs> still it was like, man, this is incredible. And ever since then, it was like, I got I to gotta get to more. And, and fortunately, my older brother was able to take me to some of the events at Maple Leaf Gardens. But I think that time at Varsity Stadium where we you know, kind of snuck up and got really close, I think that was when I said, you know, yeah, this is, this, I got to be doing this more often. I got to be coming to this. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great defining moment to have, man. That's uh, that's pretty special. And like you said, I mean, it wouldn't be a, a chic match without a little bit of blood, for sure. <laughs> um, so I know you kind of you broke into the business, and one of your first matches was, uh, I believe, actually was your first match, if I'm not mistaken, if I've done my research correctly. Special Delivery Jones uh, versus the Red Demon back at Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, how was that like to call your first match at a big arena in kind of your home city? Like that must have been a surreal moment for you. Yeah, and, and not not to not to not to be this guy, but it wasn't actually Maple Leaf Gardens. It was actually just north of Toronto in Newmarket. Uh, oh. It was it was at the time they were the home of the Baby Leafs, um, the, the farm. But um, yeah, it was in Newmarket, and it, fortunately for me, uh, SD was a friend. And <laughs> when I found out that day after. If you've read the book, you found out that I didn't get much training beforehand. <laughs> no, no, I was going to actually ask you about that next, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, you said you were pretty much green. Yeah, like like I, I was told the you know you know get your ref gear and and carry it with you, and and I didn't know enough to ask people to help me. So one day, chief just says to me there in Newmarket, says you got your ref stuff with you, and I said yeah. He says well, I'll put it on your ref tonight, and. I'm not going to say no, but at the same time, I'm like thinking to myself, what do I, what, what do I say? And I just said, okay. 
He said, okay, refereeing SD Jones versus uh, the Red Demon, who was Jose Luis Rivera with mask. He says, get with them. They'll, they'll let you know what you I went, okay. And I went to SD and I said, uh, SD, I'm refing your match tonight. He says, oh, great. I've never refed a match before. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Just listen to me. You'll be fine. And we got through it. And I figure I was pretty much like a robot the entire time, but he talked me through it and, you know, and even working in a spot where he was using, where, uh, the red demon was using a foreign object, sliding it into his mask. And, and he talked me through how not to see it and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, after that, it's like, obviously you're still nervous afterwards going into matches, but at the same time, that first one is like, uh, how do, they, how, how do they phrase it? You never forget your first time? <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, yeah, 100%. That is definitely the cliche saying. So, I mean, it must have been surreal, though, I mean, just to be out there in front of that crowd, like taking it all in, whether whether it had, you know, 20 people in front of it or a, a thousand people, just taking in that crowd. And then, of course, going and, and working and, and then standing in front of arenas. I mean, WrestleMania matches. How, how loud do some of those crowds actually get when you're in that ring? It's funny because, and this might sound like a cliche, but a lot of times I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing and trying to to concentrate on on the match itself that sometimes, not always, but sometimes I don't hear it. And and people say, how can you not hear it? You know, you're in a stadium, you're in a big arena, people are screaming and yelling. Man, it's hard to explain, but, you know, in that moment, I don't hear it. And then other times it's like, Wow, listen to those people. This is awesome. You know, it's it's hard to explain like exactly when those moments are because you don't you know, I don't consciously think, okay, let's see if this gets a reaction. I know the guys are thinking that, but I'm not thinking that. I'm 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 thinking different. I'm thinking, okay, this uh, let's keep this match flowing, you know, kind of sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, you that's the whole point. I think a lot of people kind of maybe have that misconception about a referee that they yeah, they're there to call the match, but they're also there to kind of keep the story going. They're there to, the wrestlers are there to tell the story when they're in the ring, but the referees are kind of the narrators, if you will, and help move things forward because they're, you know, they're doing the countdowns. They're doing, they're letting the, letting the guys know, you know, what the time that they have left and all that kind of stuff. So really they are the narrator of that movie, if you will, or that TV show that's happening in front of our eyes. They keep everything moving. So the referee, in my opinion, is a very integral part of every single match, whether it be a hell in the cell, a steel cage, inside the ring for a traditional one, ladder match, what what have you. Referees are pinnacle, and sometimes the referees get used in a lot of spots. Um, so that leads to my next question. Uh, in terms of spots when you were in some of your career in some big matches, where you were kind of used maybe as a shield or diversion or something like that, what was one of your favorite moments where you, you had a spot within the match, other than just being the referee, like you had a particular moment in a match? You know what? Um... Believe it or not, it's weird, but it was technically post-match. Um, one of my favorite things that I ever got to do that's kind of like, you know, obviously as a referee, you're not in it to get yourself over. But, you know, when you get to do stuff like that, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Where you, you're the focus. Hey, let's be honest. It, you are. You, it, you, uh, you, you kind of enjoy those moments. But there was, a, there was a SmackDown cage match between The Undertaker and Batista um, years ago that – basically ended in a tie <laughs> and uh, myself and uh, Mickey Henson, who was the other referee at the time um, instituted I, what I still to this day believe the first ever utilization of instant replay in pro wrestling. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, so we went to the announce table and, uh, you know, chatted with Michael Cole and kind of told him, hey, you know, tell him to put up the replay. Uh, let's see if we can get a split screen, you know, the whole bit. So, you know, it kind of that whole scenario focused on on myself and Mickey, the referees. So I think for me, that was um, a unique utilization as opposed to, oh, you're going to be involved in this bump or you're going to be involved. In, like, you know what I mean? It was completely different and, and unique, I think. Even to this day, I don't, I can't recall anybody using instant replay. I mean, I know John Cohn did it recently, but he didn't view, he was just on headset. So that doesn't count. Yeah, no, there, that, you're right. That, now that you, you bring me back to that moment. Yeah, that was the first and I believe only time that I ever seen it used. And you know what? I kind of wish in some scenarios they would bring that back. Like they would bring that back in those kind of important matches. Because, I mean, instant replay might have changed the landscape of uh, last year's WrestleMania where everyone at home could clearly see that both of Ronda Rousey's shoulders were not down. They were not pinned. So instant replay might have came in handy if they were to utilize it then, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe they could do it kind of like at the NFL where they they have a, uh, some guy, in the, uh, an official in the booth. In the, or as I like to refer to, like I'm thinking of sending in a resume as the director of officiating. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? <clears throat> you know what? That's not a bad idea. That could be pretty cool. Have somebody in the booth and maybe everyone comes back. Maybe we start bringing back managers on a full-time basis and they all have the flag so they can call it and they can say, you know, we want the, want the replay, review it, review it. They can have that review button or token, if you will, to, uh, to get back to looking at the screen to see if it might change the outcome of like, not every match, but like I said, those big important matches. Right. That's, that's not a bad idea. Like, uh, Obviously, you, you don't want to use it too much because it'll it kind of kill the flow a little bit. But at the same time, when you bring it out in certain, certain circumstances, I think it can work. I absolutely agree with you. So in terms of your career, like we said, it spanned 22, 23 years. You were kind of – you were actually there during like the highlight of wrestling, as people like to call it, the best era, the attitude era. And you, you know, it was the whole Monday Night Wars thing. You had WCW – versus WWE. We all know the stories. We've we've watched the documentaries. We've done research upon research till it's been beaten like a dead horse. But in terms of your perspective, because this is one thing that always intrigued me, during that time period, I mean, every wrestler has kind of touched on like the atmosphere in the locker room and how everyone was so focused on the goals at hand. But what, what, what was the atmosphere back in the locker room for you in terms of watching this kind of battle between these two super juggernaut promotions at the time, going back and forth, trading ratings every week? What was the, the, um, the mentality backstage? Because one week you're up and then one week you're down. One week you're up, one week you're down. How, how was that in terms of keeping that whole camaraderie together? Uh, it, it's funny because, you know, you would think that as uh, it, well, in my particular case, I paid attention to to <laughs> what was going on weekly. I mean, like I'd be at the arenas on Monday nights and uh, uh, hide in the trainer's room uh, a little at times and kind of usually, you know, we'd find a TV and put it on the competition. OK, what are these guys doing right now? You know, OK, we're doing this right now. What are they doing? And, you know, in the TV truck, they've obviously got nitro on on a different monitor. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, but it was very competitive, and and you know even down to not only the referees, but even the even the, the TV crew and everybody, everybody was very competitive. And uh, um, what it did do was, I think it brought everybody together a little bit more because you know 
in a business like wrestling where egos can kind of get in the way sometimes and personalities clash and that sort of stuff, I think the Monday Night War was uh, was actually uh, beneficial in bringing crews together, if that makes sense. You know, everybody, everybody, everybody had a single goal. Everybody wanted to beat the other guys as much as they wanted to get themselves over and be a prominent player. They also wanted to beat the other guys. So that almost came, came first, which was kind of cool. Yeah, no, definitely. That, uh, that was always, everyone had that, that same mindset, you know, um, a couple episodes back, actually, I shouldn't say a couple, almost 50 episodes back from where we are now, me and my former co-host, we did a, an episode called what if, and the episode kind of talked about if certain big moments in wrestling hadn't happened or if certain things had played out differently. And one of the scenarios we discussed is kind of a wrestling conspiracy scenario that a lot of people have discussed when it's just your friends shooting the crap. And it was almost a scenario of that conversation with Ted Turner and Vince McMahon, but in a different way. Instead of Ted calling Vince and saying, well, I'm in the wrestling business and Vince saying, oh, no, that's great. I'm in the entertainment business. It was a conversation of, hmm, you're in the wrestling business now? Hmm, what if I give you some of my older wrestlers, I move them over, we pay them, and then I bring up some younger talent, and then we kind of trade, you know, blows here and there. But at the end of the day, we both make a lot of money. And that's kind of a conspiracy theory that has been talked and talked and talked to. But we just kind of had a little bit of fun with it. What are your thoughts on that? Like those conspiracy theories? I mean, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not asking for you to say if it's confirm or deny. But I'm just saying, is that something that, you know, looking at things the way they played out could seem semi-plausible to you? I, I can see how some people would think so. But if you know the individuals involved, <laughs> then you would have a different view. I mean, like Vince, uh, you know, obviously Vince is a businessman and, and he'll do what's what's right for him and his business. And when you have two egos like his and Ted Turner's colliding, I, I, don't, I can't see them working together. As much as much as business comes first, I can, uh, man, it, it just just a matter of okay, who who's going to be the guy in charge of the wrestling product? Uh, Vince would be, well, of course, me because it's in my blood, and Ted Turner would be, but yeah, but I got the money, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to romanticize about them working together, uh, I guess in a certain circumstance it would be plausible, but knowing the players involved, I can't see it happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was just, you know, it's a question if I ever got you on the show, I'm like, I got to ask it. So bucket list checked off. One moment I do <laughs> want to discuss because uh, he's one of my all time favorites. Uh, he is somebody that I fell in love with very early on in wrestling. One of my favorite matches of all time is Owen Hart versus Bret Hart, uh, WrestleMania 10. I could watch that match 50,000 times over. And every time I still get caught up in the moments and I still get caught up in, in how that match played out. Uh, you were actually in the ring when an unfortunate incident happened over the edge, May 23rd, 1999. Uh, Owen Hart tragically, uh, fell, uh, to his death in the middle of the ring. And for wrestling fans, I mean, JR had to announce it to all of us, but I think a lot of people, at least at home when they watched that, they knew what had happened and they knew that it was serious. Unfortunately, we, we hoped for something different, but when all of you guys found out, and unfortunately, you had to carry on the show. The show had to go on because people had paid, pay-per-view time had been paid, all that kind of stuff. What what was just running through your mind, especially considering that his foot literally, you know, collided semi with your shoulder? Like, what was running through your mind? I mean, I've read the book, but if we could just kind of share it together here at this moment. 
Yeah. It, see, it, it, that, see, something like that had never happened before. You know what I mean? So when people say, well, how can you carry on the show? Nobody knew what to do. You know, everybody, my understanding was that everybody was talked to everybody that was on the show that was, and they were asked, do you guys want to continue or do you want to, you know, call it off? And apparently my understanding is everybody said, no, we, we're going to go on because, uh, you know, whether it was for, to honor his memory or for whatever the reason was, it was decided upon, you know, by them that they were going to continue. So, um, was it the right call? I mean, I don't know. I, I wish, I wish I could say like one side of me says, yeah, uh, you know, that's what he would have wanted. And then another side of me says, but is it what he would have wanted? Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, I, it's so conflicting and it's so hard for me to, to, to say, you know, it was right or wrong. It, it was, like I said, something that I don't think ever had happened before it, in wrestling. And I hope it never happens again, but, uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. It just, it, I, I don't know what this, uh, I don't know what the right thing is to do, you know? Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I think your answer is, is an emotional response is exactly the way you, you feel about it to this day. And it's still heartbreaking. I mean, I mean, as a fan, I, I figure all the, the guys he could have wrestled with and all, all the matches that could have been had and all the great rivalries and stories that never got a chance to be told. And that's, that's kind of the heartbreaking thing of it all is that the fact that he had such a great career and just to see where it would have excelled to would have been absolutely amazing. And I just hope one day that, you know, differences are, are put aside and, and a, a certain individual makes the right call and letting her, you know, former husband get into the Hall of Fame. But I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other story. I could talk about that for hours. But one thing that, that does intrigue me, and I, I, I love it so much about um, the kind of backstage stuff, is the, the hijinks and the shenanigans and all the kind of fun stuff that you have. Because literally you spend, I mean, referees, camera crew, TV production crew, uh, the, the wrestlers themselves, the McMahon family, a lot of times you spend literally 300 plus days a year together at uh, traveling the road, going from show to show. And sometimes you got to blow off a little steam. So a practical joke here, a practical joke there is uh, definitely a way to relieve stress and tension and all that kind of stuff. In terms of when you were kind of backstage for those 22 years, was there ever uh, a practical joke? You don't have to mention any names if you don't want to. But was there ever a practical joke that kind of got a little bit out of hand? And things just got a little crazy. It like escalated to a point where, uh, you know, it became a full out blowing like brawl or anything in the back. Anything ever, ever like that kind of happened? Oh boy. Um, I, I, I know instances where guys got hot. I, I don't recall ever seeing a brawl or anything like that. I'm trying to think of something in particular. I mean, you talk about classic rivers and you mentioned Owen. Owen is classic. Uh, his ribs, I don't think anybody, it's almost. It was almost like a badge of honor with Owen if you got ribbed by him. After you, <laughs> at least after you found out you got ribbed. <laughs> you know what I mean. Afterwards, like, oh man, Owen got me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean because his were never malicious. You know what I mean. Uh, some guys were a little uh, more rowdy when it came to their their ribbing and you know pushed some lines, but. I can't think of anything offhand. I wish I, I wish I could, but I can't think of anything that got out of hand anyways. That's, that's, that's totally okay. I've just, I was always curious to see if there was anything else. Do you, do you, were you yourself ever, uh, the kind of butt end of a rib? Anything, you know, kind of crazy ever happened to you with any of that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, actually I did get ribbed by Owen one night and, uh, you know, like he, uh, 
I, we were in a hotel and I don't remember where I wish I could tell you where, but anyways, I, I get a call and it's voice on the other side said, hi, this is the front desk calling. I said, yes. And he said, well, just wanted to call you and let you know your credit card's been declined. I said, it hasn't. He said, yeah, yeah you're going to have to come down and straighten this out. And this is like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, can we do this in the morning? No, this has to be taken care of right away. You know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. So, you know, like get myself <laughs> at least looking somewhat decent to go downstairs and I go to the front desk and I said, hi, I'm here. And they said, hi. And I said, yeah, I'm here to straighten out the, and they said, well, what's the problem? I said, well, you know, room so-and-so and somebody called. No, nobody called. Are you sure? Is everything all right with my credit? Yeah, everything's fine. Ah, okay. (laughs) You know, so uh, yeah, he got me. When did you find, when did you find out that it was him? Did you find out right away or did you find out the next morning? Well, no, I found out the next day we were at Irina and, you know, when someone said, hey, uh, everything okay with your credit card? Yeah, okay, I got you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I love hearing the Owen stories. I can't get enough of uh, those stories. Like I said, he's one of my all-time favorites and he's somebody that, uh, as a fan, I generally miss. So somebody who actually got to spend time with him. I mean, missing him is probably harder, but you have those kind of moments and stories to kind of get you through and you remember those amazing times. And that was, uh, it's pretty special. So we were just talking uh, too about, you know, ribs and spending so much time together with the wrestlers. And then it comes to the point of family time. You know, uh, I've, I, I recently, I have you on Instagram and Facebook and I recently saw, actually, I think it was last night. Uh, this interview is going to air obviously three weeks after we recorded here today, but you just celebrated your anniversary. So congratulations on that. How many years is it now? 20 years. Wow. That's incredible. My wife and I are at, uh, we're celebrating our 12th, uh, next May. We'll be 12 years married. We've been together for 17, but 12 years married. So I hope one day to get to those milestones like you had yourself. But, um, you know, in terms of, you know, that's a, a long stretch of, of time together and also a long stretch of time away. I mean, I don't know how your schedule was as a referee. I'm not sure if it's different from the wrestlers, but I'm sure you did work a hefty amount of dates. In terms of trying to keep the family together and finding the time, with your wife and, you know, raising children. Cause I know you have a couple kids as well. Uh, how did you, how were you able to balance that and keep up your, uh, you know, the grind with, with being on the road, but also trying to find that family time when you had it. It's, it, it is a delicate balance, but it, it, it's, um, there has, you know, it, I, all credit goes to my wife. I, I give her all the credit cause she, she understood, uh, going into our, <laughs> going into the marriage, exactly what she was getting into because she knew the schedule. She knew what it was all about. And there has to be, you know, and she also understood that it wasn't going to be forever. You know, that it was going to be for a while, but it wasn't going to be forever. But, um, you know, she, uh, you know, I, I, I got to give all the credit to her because she's the one who had to put up with me being away so much. And she had to, you know, shoulder a lot of the responsibility here at home and then I'd be home for two or three days a week just to kind of like uh, pick up the pieces really quickly before I had to go again. So it, I want to say it was difficult, but the difficult part was being apart, uh, being away from from home. That was the difficult part. Her, her, uh, uh, you know, handling everything was was amazing. So you know, like I, I can't give her enough respect and love if that if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And I, I appreciate her. So for me to her, I tell her, you know, thank you, Mrs. Corderas, for keeping everything together while Jimmy was out on the road. We appreciate you. Um, in terms of your career, because like we said, it spanned 23 years. 
And, you know, I, I ask a lot of wrestlers this question. Everybody has that favorite match of theirs, their best body of work. But I think the same question goes hand in hand for a referee. Was there ever one match that you were a part of where at the end of it, you go back, you went backstage or when it was all over and, you know, you shook everybody's hand and then you sit back and you kind of reflect and you go, damn, that was, that was one of the best matches I ever called. That was one of the best matches I had the pleasure of calling. In terms of that, was there ever a match that you were a part of that you look back now and you think, damn, man, that's my, that's my best body of work. As a referee, that's my all-time favorite match that I called. Um, I, I don't know if I could pinpoint it to the actual one, but if there's one that comes to mind, uh, it took place in Chicago and it was, in, it was a SmackDown match and it was one that, that spanned like most, I want to say like three segments of the show. It was a long match. Uh, Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Kurt Angle. Mm, yes i remember that one i actually i actually watched that one a couple days ago yeah and uh for some reason uh it, it, like you said you know there i'm my own worst you know critic when it comes to like you know i'll give after a match i'll go to the back and i'll say oh man i could have done this better i could have been here i should have been standing here instead of here you know what i mean i'm my own worst like enemy kind of thing like even even when some guys go, oh, no, that was great. I, uh, no, no, dude, I could have done this. But for some reason, after that match, we all got back and we got together and 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 it was Eddie. Eddie looked at everybody and said, and Eddie's the same way. Like if there's anybody who's – and Eddie and Kurt are perfectionists, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And he just looked around and he says, I don't know if we could have done better. All of us. And it was like – for me, it was like the, the biggest – Wow. Ever. And, and ever since that, that day, I was like, you know, maybe that's the one, you know, where I really should just cool out and not try to <laughs> overanalyze. But, but it, it did. It felt right. That whole match just felt right that night. Yeah, that's that's definitely a pretty special match. And the, the fact that you mentioned it and I watched it a couple days ago, it's kind of scary. It seems like we're on the same wavelength, Jimmy. I think a bromance might be developing. <clears throat> so maybe something's in the air i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh post wwe now you're on you're on aftermath on a steady steady schedule there plus you do these awesome videos on instagram the ref and rants i absolutely love them like they're so entertaining i look forward to when i see them pop up i'm like sweet I wonder what jimmy's got to say and a lot of time i agree with most of your points and i i disagree with most of your points but one point I, I do want to touch on is because I think it's an important moment, especially in this day and age in wrestling, is the evolution or revolution and then now the eventual evolution of women's wrestling. Because you were part of, the, again, you were part of that attitude era. So women were, you know, underutilized and not as much as they are now, except for Trish and Lita. Those were the only two staples in that time period that were kind of holding things down. But in terms of seeing the female talent as it is now, and as it's progressing, and even from the indies, because I, I had the opportunity and privilege to meet you at uh, Chinlock, and um, you also ref ref the match that night. It wasn't you know a women's match or anything, but you happened to see that fatal four way that was on the card at Chinlock, which was absolutely incredible. I actually interviewed Jesse Mack uh, uh, not too long ago. Her episode's going to drop right before yours does, but we kind of talked about that match as well. But in terms of females where they are now, and as they're they're literally second to none, as right up to par with the male talent. What are your thoughts on this, you know, amazing thing that we have right now, this women's evolution that's happening in, in sports entertainment? I, I think the biggest part of it, and, and I hate to refer to it this way, is we're getting past looks. Like everybody, at, at, 
I hate to say it, but back in the day, it uh, women's wrestling focused a lot on on appearance and it kind of ignored talent, if that makes sense. Now the talent is first and foremost. Uh, fans are recognizing, hey, these women are very talented, and some of them are on a par, if not better than a lot of the guys. You know what I mean? You take a Charlotte Flair, for example, and you know what? When you talk about some of the best workers in that company overall, she's in that category. It's not just, oh, she's one of the best female workers. No, she's actually one of the best workers, period. So I, I like the fact that we have evolved past the point of, hey, she's good for a female. No, she's good. That's it. Bottom line. And 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 I like that there's diversity in 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 their presentation and their look and stuff like that. So uh, kudos. It's going in the right direction. Finally, people are recognizing the women for the talent as uh, as opposed to other things. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I have two daughters of my own, and uh, my nine-year-old, she's a big wrestling fan, much like me and my wife are. We watch religiously every week. We we don't watch, you know, Raw for the full three hours because sometimes it's just hard to get through. Sometimes there are very low spots and very high spots, but for the most part, we watch it steadily. And um, she's she's big into Sasha Banks and Bailey, and she she loves everything about it. And I'm glad that she's I got the opportunity to cheer for her heroes now, like I had the opportunity to cheer for my heroes, you know, back then. And that's uh, that's an incredible thing that we're seeing in this day and age. And I, I I hope the trend continues, and I hope to see women main event WrestleManias more and more because I think it's uh, it's definitely well deserved. But another thing that's kind of creeping its its head around again in this time period, as it was a little bit in the Attitude Era, especially with ECW anyways, was intergender wrestling. It's kind of becoming more more and more on the regular. I see it a lot of indie shows when I go to them, and some of these matches are incredible. But a lot also I've seen some that are not so good. In terms of intergender wrestling, and now that it's kind of becoming the standard again, not, not really a standard, but kind of creeping up again into becoming more and more common, at least in indie shows, What's your thoughts on intergender wrestling? Um, it's kind of mixed. I mean, like, uh, obviously you want the women to be on an equal playing field with the men. And, and I agree with that. But at the same time, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of hard to dance that line between, you know, <clears throat> uh, uh, male on female violence. I know. Yes, I get it. It's in an entertainment setting. It's not technically real, but at the same time, it's kind of harder to get away with stuff like that in today's world where everything is so micro, micro, uh, uh, not micromanaged, but micro observed. I mean, everybody's looking for something to be upset about and regardless of how you present it, somebody's going to be offended by it. So, um, I don't personally have an issue with it, but at the same time, you have to be careful on how you present it, at least to a large audience. If you're, if you're presenting it to a niche audience, uh, you know, that's fine. But when you, when you're a big company and you're presenting it out there in front of the masses, you, you really got to be careful how you present it. So it doesn't look like it's, it's, it, it's anything other than entertainment. If, if, if that really makes sense. <laughs> oh no, everything you're saying, uh, Jimmy has made sense. And again, thank you so much for the time because it's, this has been an epic interview and we're almost done. We're almost done. I got a few more questions to ask you, but, um, there's this kind of rumor that's brewing, or not rumor, but it's 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 becoming more and more apparent that we may see another war developing. Uh, not so much on Monday nights, but now on Wednesday nights. You have the NXT brand being moved to USA TV. You have AEW 
getting signed to TNT, and they're both premiering on Wednesdays at the same time, going kind of head-to-head. But you were there during that time period, that war that went down. What do you think about this pending possible Wednesday night war, as they're kind of labeling it now? Do you think it really is a war? I personally don't. I think it's just good for business because any competition makes the other brand better. This will make WWE a little bit more stronger than not that they don't need it. And then AEW will definitely introduce something new and fresh to the, the to the sport as a whole. Well, what are your thoughts? Is there an impending Monday or Wednesday night war happening again? You know what? I agree with that. I, I don't think it is a war. I think it's a it's a good competition. And I think it's a lot different from when the Monday night war was happening, because back then, how did you watch your wrestling? You had really one choice you're watching on television or are you are you uh um i don't i don't even think pvr or dvr was really prevalent back then i think you had to kind of try and tape the other one yeah <laughs> i had to set was, my i had to set my vcr you're 100 percent right there you go now you can you know what you can do now you can have one on your tv and one on your 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 laptop or your your device and you can be kind of paying attention to both if you really want to. I mean, technology has advanced so far that you you really don't have to pick one over the other. And if you're a real fan, you'll find a way to watch both. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm going to find a way to watch both. Are you, you know, intrigued? It, are, are, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah, like I said, I'm just there, – I'm, I'm a fan of wrestling. And, yes, uh, although I do uh, – for Sportsnet, I do cover WWE for Aftermath doesn't mean it's that's all I watch. Mm. I mean, I, uh, I try to watch as much as I can, especially, and also kind of, kind of play husband as well, which is hard, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, uh, do you, uh, do you feel that um, AEW, cause they're, they're bringing a lot of fresh names to the table, a lot of names that are big on the indie scene, but now they're kind of creeping up into the mainstream with their, their product and brand. Is there anybody at AEW that sticks out to you as a real, real special talent? Not so much the, the veterans like Cody and Kenny, the Bucks, Jericho, but any of these young guys that are coming up that you look at and you see, give this kid six months or a year and he's going to be something, he or she's going to be something really special. MJF. He is like in a day in an era where, uh, you know, it's hard to be a heel because every time you're, you, you, you get to a point where you think you're doing your job well as a heel, fans are cheering you. <laughs> you don't want a heel to be cheered. And MJF is doing exactly what a heel is supposed to do is get heat and get people to dislike him. And some of his tactics and to some may be a little bit questionable, but at the same time, I think if he keeps if he keeps the language kind of uh, I don't want to say PG that's the wrong word just keep it TV fourteen or whatever uh, don't drop f bombs and don't swear and stuff like that I think this guy could be a mainstream big time heel. I like your answer. Uh, for me personally, something that's somebody that sneaks out very special to me is uh, uh, Luke Perry's son, Jungle Boy. I, I don't know. There's something about him. It intrigues me every time I see him. He's getting better. Uh, he's, his speed is incredible and, uh, his high flying ability, in my opinion, is something very exciting to watch right now. Cause I'm a, I'm a big fan of the high flyers. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy him as well, but he's going to need to, um, develop a, a complete package. He's going to have to start working a little bit on, on the mic and stuff like that, because unfortunately, again, uh, 
to be a big star on the big stage, you have to have, you know, all of the, uh, the, uh, tick all the boxes, so to speak. Yeah, you're right. You got to be able to talk the talk, walk the walk and have the look to back it all up together. Yeah. That's what I consider the trifecta of a superstar. No, totally agree. So in terms of, you know, everyone has a dream match, if you will. I've asked wrestlers their dream match of anybody they could fight in any era. But from you, I think the question is still relevant from being a former referee. If if you could ref a dream match, two guys in the ring, maybe you never had the pleasure to uh, uh, call a match between the two of them or ref a match between the two of them. Who would it be? Does it doesn't have to be, you know, now could be now if you wanted to, if you wanted to get back in the ring for one more match to call one more match. Or it could be somebody during when you were when you were a ref in the WWE. Any dream match that you wish you you could have called or would have all would have wanted to call? Um, oh, from the past, we've already mentioned the two guys. I would have loved to have refereed a match between Owen Hart and Eddie Guerrero. Yes. yes. That that would be like epic bucket list. You know what? Afterwards, hang up the ref shirt because I ain't gonna get any better. Within this kind of thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> to me, that's how, that's how that match feels. Um, and 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 oh man, if if there's somebody from the current era, yeah, man, uh, I'm I'm trying to think, but I I, I, hmm, I don't I don't know if there's anybody that fits that could even fit in that category today. Uh, and it's no disrespect to them; it's just that man you're thinking Eddie and Owen uh, and you know, and I got the referee guys like the undertaker and stone cold and the rock. I mean, uh, oh boy, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll stick with what I just said and I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I love your answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are, those are two. And that's a match. I, I, I wish I could have seen uh, on a, on a grand stage or even on a SmackDown or a raw. And my final question, has there ever been a moment when you've, you've caught up, or you're in the ring and you're you're doing your thing, you're you're counting the match, you're moving it forward, you're doing all the thing, and then somebody does a spot that maybe you were unaware of or you weren't sure, but it just it looks epic. Do you ever find yourself sometimes staring as a fan and being like, "Man, that was super cool," and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh crap, I, I got to pin, I got to call the one, two, three. Remember a moment where you kind of got lost in the match while you were part of it? Uh, yeah, it happens. It happens a couple of times. Uh, there was one. Oh man, who was it? Uh, uh, he did the dive outside the ring and it was so spectacular. Oh, um, I want to say it was Ray. And he did a dive outside the ring that was so spectacular. I, I, I like, I forgot to start counting and I could hear the, the, the producer in my ear, you know, Jimmy, start the 10 count, start the 10 count. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It, it, it happens a little more frequently than people think. It's like, um, not, not so much on a pinfall attempt because you really have to be on top of those things. But, uh, there, there are moments where I get caught up where I'm like, wow, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> and, oh, oh yeah. I got to do my job. <laughs> yeah. And you obviously had the best seat in the house cause you're literally like five feet from where it happened. So I can yeah. see how you would get caught up in something uh, like that for sure. Yeah. And, and every once in a while it'd be like, wow, I hope he's okay. And then, then you gotta, then you gotta run out there and check on him, you know? So <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, again, thank you so much for the time today. It was an absolute honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you. And I want to let you know now that you are officially a member of the Straight Talk family. 
Anytime you want to come back on the show, it would be an absolute pleasure to have you. Hopefully, we can run into each other in person and maybe sit down and knock another one out in person, you know, with some some better equipment because Skype, you know, it dips up and down. And you let the producers of Aftermath know if they're ever looking for somebody to fill in on a one-term basis, I would be right there if they ever need uh, uh, somebody else's uh, fresh face opinion. I would be absolutely amazing to do that for you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, Jimmy Corderas, thank you so much. Go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Say hello to the family, and again, happy anniversary for me and all the Straight Talk faithful to you. And it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. I very much appreciate you having me on. All right, Jimmy, you take care, and again, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for the time. All right, thanks, George. Take care. Well, guys, that was Jimmy Corderas, legendary WWE referee. It was absolutely epic to sit down and talk with him, as every conversation I do is. Just being a fan and being able to talk to some of these legends or people who, who were involved in the business during special time periods, being able to talk to everybody that I've spoken to, and being able to share it with all of you guys. This was absolutely, again, amazing, as every interview is for me, because I think they're all fantastic. I hope you guys do, because you keep listening. Don't forget to check us out on the socials. You always get it a couple days before the episode drops to know which one is dropping. So again, thank you so much for your time. As always, I'm your host. You guys take care, and I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just $5.99 each. Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, go! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Two item minimum pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. It's cutting into your exercise time. <clears throat> it's stabbing you in the back nine. <clears throat> and it's attacking your peace of mind. <sighs> it's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic. Available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.